Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the AEW Rampage Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, to look ahead to tonight's episode of Friday Night Rampage. But before, I don't know why I called it that, it's AEW Rampage. I'm used to doing the SmackDown <laughs> thing for that. Anyway, before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay-per-views, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by the Dadly Boys to look ahead to AEW Rampage. But before all that, of course, it's time for another Rampage rap. Give me a beat. <laughs> Rampage, the best Friday show. How they beat SmackDown like Lex, I don't know. Will Britt Baker use her ingenuity, or are we a part of the Anna J community? <laughs> Pack Andrade, fight forever. Hobbs versus Cassidy, who's from wherever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's preview the matches that looks heaven sent. And like Mark Henry says, It's time for the main event. <laughs> you, on every level possible, need to be stopped. I mean, I just, I've wanted to see this done live for so long now. You know, it's just, it's different in person. Different. Oh dear. Um, Siege, let's deal with the elephant in the room. Rampage beat SmackDown last week. It did beat SmackDown last week. The only person who believed it could beat SmackDown last week was Longbone Tone Tony Khan. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we should start believing as well. Like, Jesus Christ. Um, drastic shift. Drastic shift in momentum. It's. I tweeted, the mega fans will forgive me. And they will forgive me for something I'm about to say in about two minutes as well. But I tweeted that. Uh, this must be, this must be the start. If you look at what AEW has left, if you look at how patient and slow burn the approach is, we're like what we are like two years away from CM Punk even beginning to turn heel, and he could do the feud that he's always been awesome with, where he treats someone like shit for being an algae and bids the straight edge holier than thou heel. This is a theoretical thing I've come up with in seconds that they could do in two, year, two years' time. Mm -hmm. What can WWE do at WrestleMania? They're literally, like, next year, they're burning through everything in the women's division, like, without any finishes, every single week, right now. 
Brock versus Roman 2, how hot can that possibly get? What else is there? They've got, in terms of attractions, yeah. premium attractions, I'm telling you, they've got out. Um, they're relying on um, a rumble win. I know this is like veering into WWE, but they're relying on a rumble win as effective as Drew McIntyre's in 2020. And that felt like once in a generation stuff, not least because the Lesnar idea was cashed in on at the very same time. I think it's, we've speculated on Ronda and Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. And again, even that, it's, it's not cheating. WWE can do what they want. Well, it's not happening right now. It's not being built to right now. It's not something that, as Cedric points out with a CM Punk, Hangman page or pick one of a thousand different permutations. It's not something that is only speculative now because there's so many options for them to go to. It is, it's not the ground. I will say, I don't think it's the ground WWE wish to compete on. They just don't worry about thinking of matches and thinking of stories. <laughs> they just do it from week to week, if even that. Um, and then they hope on the night they'll get there. You know, they'll, they'll think of something. Um, but this is why you want to stay invested with AEW. This is... Uh, we're recording this just after Crown Jewel. A difficult watch for a variety of reasons. I felt like I needed my palate cleansed after Crown Jewel and immediately watched, rewatched the Super Click uh, Jurassic Express. No, Super Click Dark Order match from last week. And I was just like, oh, thank God this is wrestling. Whatever it was that I just tuned into for four hours, for all of its faults, now I'm watching the wrestling show. And I know that sounds like the cliche, oh, I've been away from pro wrestling and now I'm back. That was sports entertainment. I don't mean like that. One is a fun experience that you feel invested in now and feeling even more invested in for the future. One is this very occasional short, sharp shock of a thing you might like. They're, they're world, they've never felt further apart than right now. Surreal experience last week, wasn't it? Because of the, what is it, the Fast Nationals? Fast Nationals. Yeah, they get leaked. And on Saturday... There needs to be a team on Dark Elevation yesterday, by the way. <laughs> yeah. On Saturday evening, there was a lot of people, you know, reacting to this. Not just the Vincels on Twitter... <laughs> But, you know, many people writing the obituary for AEW before we'd even seen the exact figures, to which they, um, them I would, of course, say... You got a journalism for that? You're going to be joking me! <laughs> but also... <laughs> it's, that was overdue. That was really, like them two getting on the soundboard was I, overdue. Well, Have you heard their new theme tune? I've not heard it yet, actually. Oh, my God, it is so bad. <laughs> it's like, it's, uh, legitimately, Willborn, you will not be able to know, sell how bad it is. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> But in terms of, yeah, people jumping the gun with that and then the the 18 to 49 demo, the all-important head-to-head demo, which is what, you know, how it was scored, which is why you got that weird argument online on the on Monday, Tuesday time, Hamflow, which I've no doubt you've seen, which was WWE fans claiming victory for, I don't know, 800 plays 600 in the, the viewership and then AEW fans claiming victory because of the head-to-head uh, the bunny beating Roman, for example, or, uh, you know, just generally beating them in the 18 to 49 demo, which is the most important thing at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we sort of touched on this a little bit before we started recording, talking about the different ways in which both sides could claim victory. That kind of thing is becoming headache inducing. Like the enjoying side, the enjoying side of a war is uh, what you get on television. And I've never feared either show hotshotting things, although AEW doesn't feel like it does it very much because ultimately then it behooves the company to have to do something else because they've hot-shotted their first idea. Um, but yeah, it's all about ultimately where this leads in terms of rights fees. Like All of this is a long game. The more that you get results like this Rampage versus SmackDown one, the more TNT will look like they've got the bargain of the century compared to Fox. And then that's what it becomes about because it's about securing 
long-term sustainability for AEW, the kind of thing that WWE has relied on for so long that it's allowed them to become like grossly negligent at actually producing the product that, they, that they're charging such high fees for. AEW are not in that position yet, and let's hope that never, ever happens. But we certainly want them to get the financial security to allow them to feel as part of the um, wrestling fingerprint as WWE because we're still... Viewerships are a sexy a number. It's an int- like if if AEW were beating WWE in the viewerships and the demos, then of course that would shut down a WWE argument. But it would look pretty awesome too. It would look pretty cool just to be able to put two things like for like and say more Nielsen boxes recorded watching an AEW show than a WWE one. But as well, I think at the moment where AEW is at for all these demographic victories, what that viewership number feels like it represents is what's going to be the next thing that AEW can do. Remember when the million was this invented target of WWE mm. um, homers, pretty much saying, well, they've not cracked a million, so they suck. Who says that? <laughs> Who said that other than you? Anyway, they crack it. Dynamite regularly passes that million with relative ease, so it becomes a new invented target of a million and a half or two million, I think I've seen. But in all seriousness, what's AEW's strategy for that? Because you should chase it. If there's if there's two million viewers to find, as SmackDown seems to prove most weeks on, mm-hmm. weeks on Fox, find that. Because, like, we'll all keep saying it in our own different ways to a blue in the face. I, personally, as a wrestling fan, cannot understand why you would deprive yourself all elite wrestling unless you are doing it out of some stubborn loyalty to WWE. Mm. And we joke all the time, Stamflet, I'm really idiotically loyal to WWE, but why would I rob myself of just more of the thing I love when, yeah. it's, when it's in its current best version on another channel? If anything, this is a bit of a tangent before we get going, um... It would almost at this point, optics-wise, look bad if AEW started to do really strong gains in the over-50 demo. It would make them appear like the less cool brand amongst (laughs) the youth. So realistically, I don't think that's a goal of theirs whatsoever. Um, Strategically, it shouldn't be. Optics-wise, it might look like it's not the cool new alternative league. Um, So I kind of disagree slightly on that point. One thing before we get into the meat of the action, my podcast presence over the next two to three weeks is going to be diminished slightly, but the mega fans will forgive the reason for that. I'm still beavering away hard at work. An announcement should be forthcoming on what I'm working on next Mm. week. Yeah, the growth of of AEW is incredible. Someone really should write a book about it. Um, Let's talk (laughs) about uh, Rampage tonight then. Uh, Well, before we get into the matches, uh, Sage, we are going to find out who's in this TBS Women's Championship tournament. Who's the sort of names you'd like to see in this? I want this to be markedly different from the complexion of the men's world title eliminator. I don't want four effectively already dead bodies who are warm at present, but we know they're dead in order to make the favourites look good. I understand that they don't want to beat people, and that's fine. They are playing the long, long, long-term game. I like. I mean, Hangman Page is just about to win the world title. I think it would behoove this women's division, which increasingly feels like a narrative obligation, like a, about six months after it should have stopped being that, I think they should go for a claim rather than protection. What I mean by that is I would pick the eight women who are not in the world title picture, or basically the best eight women who are on Britt Baker, and give them 12 to 15 minutes on television and just have them tear down the house, grab that acclaim and buzz while you can get it, and that will reverse the feeling of, oh, the bunny taking another loss again. 
that's not inspiring particularly. I think the match against Ruby Soho last week was really good, by the way. But as a broader point, mm. I just think they should have eight. Like, Cheetah versus Deeb, tournament match, first round. Riho, yes, I understand. They probably have plans to soft launch her at some point, so they might not want her to lose a tournament in the optics of failing to go for a title. At this point, who cares about that? Mm. She's not on TV to begin with. But I think, I know wins and losses matter, but I just think at this point it matters more to have an absolute banger, like top to bottom banger of a really competitive, blow away awesome, head turning tournament. And if you beat people along the way, you beat people along the way. This is the promotions, one of the promotions core values. Mm. We can make people look incredible in defeat. And I think they need to do that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. No less than seven times. They're going to put someone like Sky Blue in it. And, you know, all the potential in the world, but it's going to go four, five, six, seven, eight minutes. Just give us eight bangers. I'm not being greedy. I think now's the time. We haven't really had a chance to chat about this, Hamlet. Who was Who would be your pick to be in the inaugural TBS Women's Champion? Oh, uh, the champion themselves? Yeah, the champion Ser- and people in the tournament you'd like Serena to see. Serena Deeb. Ser- like, Serena Deeb, absolutely. She um, not plows through the field, but because I completely agree with Sidri. Like, I don't have your list of names, but I'm looking for unending quality. I want the tournament to be remembered more for the tournament than for any angles that it tried to spin off. They have, they've failed over and over. Uh, AW hasn't failed much at all, but they have failed over and over again at trying to get a women's division off the ground because it has always felt like an obligation. So instead of doing what AW often does, which is trying to attach story to, to everything and trying to come up with angles even when they're rubbish ones, even when they're an interview getting broken up by an attack, because it feels rubbish. It, it doesn't matter that you think you've applied some effort because nobody's feeling it, nobody's buying it. So the effort was, that minuscule effort was wasted. Give us the matches, <laughs> let the wrestlers wrestle, as our take is in this case. Find those best combinations, run a tournament that people celebrate for its overarching quality, and let that, what that'll do organically is have a knock-on effect on everything else. Because say this is a, is it an eight-woman tournament or a 16-woman tournament, or do we not even know yet? I, I don't know. I don't know, but I'd guess eight, considering so, what we saw in the eliminator. Yeah, let's say eight, right? So you're going to have one winner, and let's say that's Serena D, but, but every match has been great because you've had the best, the best, the best. What you've then got is not just seven contenders for the TBS title, but seven contenders for Britt Baker's title that have had high-quality matches. Some will have won some along the way because of the brackets. When Sidgwick mentioned Riho there, the first person I thought to put her against is Nyla Rose because we know their chemistry is electric. Yeah. They fought over the other title in this like genuinely gripping, memorable two-match series, was it? That two. The second right. was better work, but the first was more emotional. Together, they were fantastic. Yeah, so both together, their chemistry is great. So put them against each other, you're guaranteed a banger. Um, Serena Deeb, find the weakest corner of the field and make sure that she runs through that one. She does the match. Maybe have Sheeda in another side so that becomes your final. I, I don't know, but you know, like just mm-hmm. quality first um, because the other worry, I love the idea of the TBS title, by the way. Really, really love it. I think it was a, I think it's a more beneficial title to introduce than the trios one, genuinely, because as cool as the trios title would be, that isn't even a division and it's better than the women's division in the way of how effective it is for AEW's like overall picture. So I love that this title, but the, the major problem is, is if this title becomes, finally, the women have got something else to feud over other than one feud for Brick Breaker's title, and it's just two identical programs. Like, it, ultimately, what it needs to do is drive stories. Mm. It can't just be two belt feuds instead of one. Otherwise, you've not really fixed the, the deeper problem. So how you start that is with match quality. You tell the world that this division 
is is the best women's division in pro wrestling. It might not be true, but you say it and you hope in the meantime this tournament wills that into existence and it sort of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, if you put on so many different bangers between evenly contested wrestlers, they will get more over. There'll be more appetite from the public to watch those wrestlers wrestle and become involved in storylines. And you will basically set your stall out and make it untenable to do anything different going forward and they need to just give themselves a big kick in the arse. Yeah, I think and we could probably get the eight here. So I, I like Serena Deeb as the eventual champion. So you've got Serena Deeb, Hikaru Shida. We're not, we're not necessarily booking them together, but we're suggesting that. Rio Nyla Rose, I think, is great. Take Conti. Ruby Soho. Red Ruby Velvet. So- Ruby Soho, yeah. Red Velvet, I would put in. She's over. I would put... Chris Statlander. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put Red Velvet or Chris Statlander in, purely because in my head, I might have just done the math wrong here, but my final two would be Thunderosa. And Jade Cargill, Jade Cargill and I'd have that as a first round match because you've got some great stories to tell. So we've got I feel like we've effortlessly reeled off loads of class women's wrestlers that this company has, and that you're somehow in what an indictment this is. Are like allowed to forget about? Mm-hmm. It's not on in this. Did we mention Penelope Ford there? No. There's a banger in her as well with somebody that would be a, a, almost like an announcement on a bigger stage because her angles feel so superfluous yeah. mm. in a tournament setting. The, the match would feel bigger than anything she's been involved in creatively. I think. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Well, let's stick with the women's division, Hamlet, and talk about Britt Baker versus Anna Jay. Is this the start of a, you know, non-title, I assume, this tonight? Uh, is this the start of something for these two, or do you think this is just another example of Britt Baker's dominance in this women's division? They're going to want a bit of both, there, aren't they? So if this is non-title, they're probably going to work towards Anna Jay getting a title shot, but then it's not really, they're not going to beat the champion. That's not an AW move, and nor would I encourage it to be as well. But... What's the play here? Anna Jay looking as competitive as possible to set up a shot for Tay Conti? Like, is that the 
Is that where they're going at? Like, I, I don't know if I feel like whatever I've missed in the build-up of this, because I have just had to, like, cherry-pick a lot of the best of AEW, that I've missed a great development other than, like, a bit of backstage skirmish. Was there? Is there any more to it that I'm missing in terms of this story? No. No, it was just Anna Jay was then, cutting a promo on the Dark Order and Britt Baker said, what are you on about? Well, yeah, I know it's bad analysis, but then it's just hard to see past a Britt Baker win because she remains the star. I like the idea, I think, of, and it's a bit WWE this, that Anna Jay has the match won or it certainly has Britt Baker in a bit of an iffy position and then, you know, the rest of Britt Baker's crew interfere, you know, <sighs> Rebel Reba jumps up on the apron Know, it, things like that maybe plays into it. So Br- Britt Baker emerges victorious, but Anna Jay maybe has that argument at least of I had you beat, and maybe you can set that up for a for some sort of stipped up match. Let's say, for example, at Full Gear. I don't know what I can see happening here. All I know is I've been given absolutely zero reason to invest. Mm. Honestly, it feels like I'm doing a WWE preview when I'm talking about this match because I can see exactly how it plays out. Britt Baker, there'll be no drama because we know who's going to win and they haven't bothered to craft a real substantial storyline to convince you otherwise. It's just a backstage skirmish, an obligation angle to set up a match. The crowd will be tired. I'm assuming they will put Pac Andrade on first on this broadcast. So when that's finished, and they've already watched Dynamite, because this is in the can, Mm -hmm. they'll be thinking, right, I can switch off for the last two matches. Might might do the DMD. Might bite on a finish if it's well worked. Um, Cassidy, I might bite on a shtick, so he'll be in the main event. It's going to be muted in the crowd reaction. No drama. They're probably going to do way too much stuff with Reba not Rebel or Rebel not Reba. And it's going to go eight minutes and I'm never going to remember it in about three months' time. And this is WWE stuff. WWE level effort, i.e. very low. Yeah, very frustrating. I feel like there's an inadvertent stifling of um, Britt Baker's momentum in this title run so far. Because it feels a little bit like we wait for this match to bang and then a match bangs. I'm thinking of like the Chris Statlander one all out or the great television match she had against, help us out, Cedric. Red, Red Velvet. Velvet, yeah. And then they kind of like pump the brakes a little bit. Mm. She's such a good talker. She's such a money promo that they almost like rely too much on that. And I, like, I've got the same complaint with MJF and it's like, it's a it's a reps thing because just it's just a TV product mm. basically. But Sometimes you just... Britt Baker's somebody that arguably needs them a lot more. Like, oh, the matches are great now. Like, this was the one little missing piece of the Britt Baker reign. And then she stops wrestling again for a bit. And it's like, oh, Mike, that's a shame. This all feels a bit mm. empty as a result. And this match could rule. Like, this match could be totally awesome tonight. Um, Anna Jay's a prodigy, really, for her relative inexperience. So this could be really, really good. And yet it feels weeks and weeks and weeks since I've, like, had that feeling for a Britt Baker match. And I just... I don't know that. I don't think you can really waste that. I think her, her like her in ring pedigree is still a little bit too precarious to not just let her keep going, mm-hmm. keep going, keep working, keep defending, keep getting better as well. Because she was looking great in that run of matches that was kind of answering a lot of critics about her mm. in ring work as well. Uh, we're getting Pack Andrade two, as you seem to suggest there, Sid. It's probably going to open the show. They're renewing their rivalry. Andrade won the first one, of course, via interference, taser, stuff, and a. Uh, iPad shot to the back of Pack, but in terms of you know the basics, how would you say these two work together? Great fundamentals. <laughs> you see this one playing out. Great fundamentals. Um, Pack is the trilogy guy in all elite wrestling. <laughs> yes, this ahead of Cody having his trilogy tomorrow, of course. <laughs> yeah, he was the trilogy guy when AEW launched. He had the trilogy with Hangman Page across Dynamite and Full Gear 2019, across All Out 2019. TV match on Dynamite in November, and then the classic Iron Man trilogy 
And then after that, the pandemic hit and he was basically a very erratic presence who has really, if you look at his arc, it's not too dissimilar to a WWE career, only with much better matches. And it's this is an indictment of WWE, not AEW, because they only have access from for a brief amount of time. It's hard to really book for someone who's in and out of the picture. And yet WWE have these guys like in Florida down the road at the Thunderdome and just book them like this. <laughs> so I see this pattern unfolding again now that they're back in front of live crowds. Pack will probably win this one and we'll have a third. And it's the sort of thing that the intrigue around it and the interest and the pull all centers around match quality. And it has uh, divided people. I thought the first match was excellent. Mm-hmm. Other people said it was merely very good. This one is apparently far better. But then the tape rampage reports are from people who are really happy to go and see a great pro wrestling show. And they potentially might have enjoyed it so much that they don't consider how would this have looked on TV? How good was it really? You mm. were there. Matches are always better when you're there. Mm. And Rampage is developing this reputation of Dave Meltzer on Twitter saying this is a total banger, guys, match of the air <laughs> candidate. And then it's like, all right, four stars flat. <laughs> like, that's awesome. I wish yeah. I hadn't said anything because four stars next to four and a half. It's like, huh? Eh. Mm. So I'm watching a four-star match. I really like the first match. I expect it to be a little bit different. Um, I don't like. I didn't like it quite enough to go back and watch it again so I could um, watch what they do to build on the mm-hmm, first match, mm-hmm. what spots they worked that they know how to counter. Hopefully, the sequel's so good that it reminds you of what worked and what didn't in the first. Look, they didn't break the wheel. There was nothing groundbreaking in the first match at all. They basically worked a modern-style match where someone's about to hit a move, and the other person counters it, but the other person guesses the counter and does a counter to the counter, and it's all very boilerplate. But the physical chemistry and the impactful nature of the work right, really got me on the hook. I'm expecting more of the same, and if I'm being honest... I'm out with the lads tonight. I'm going to watch it hungover at a time of my convenience. If I was just having a sober night in, how early would I get up to watch this? Mm. I was Suzuki Danielson. I was like, I'll have to preempt the kids waking up here. <laughs> this one, I was like, I could probably watch it on my lunch. Or I could just watch it before bed. I don't know. It's going to be very, very, very good, but it's not that hot, is it? They kicked the crap out of each other last time. They even made that. Alberto Del Rio corner stomp thing work in the in the previous yeah, match. Like, you know, that shouldn't be harsh. It wasn't just they hit each other hard than most indie-adjacent wrestlers do. There were little really mm. nice moments of craft, as you've pointed out. Uh, how do you see this one going, Hamlet? Is your money on the man who now calls himself El Bastador? Yes, because I heard you say that through a wall this morning and pissed myself <laughs> laughing. So, yes, I am the like stereotypical and quintessential gluttonous, overstuffed, spoiled wrestling fan when it comes to a pairing like Pac versus Andrade because, and it seems to be the pattern, as Cedric points out, with the, the teased classic that never fully delivers. And like, I would fold Brian Danielson and Nick Jackson into that, which was great, really great, but still not as great as the press that you had beforehand, which does the match unfair damage. Um, the difference between that and this and the prior Pac Andrade, um, if I can use an old Andy Murrayism, both these characters are just unbuttered toast at the moment. So I'll go into a Brian Danison Nick Jackson match thinking, well, even if this isn't as good as all the press has said, I love both of these guys. I'm hugely invested in the Danielson versus Super Elite story. So it's got that going for it. These guys are so bland. Like nothing is really happening. I know like they're kind of sort of getting something going with Andrade now with his little relationship with MJF and his and binning off Charvo and, and whatever. Pack for loads of reasons, they never commit to anything with 
he's just this guy that you can rely on to have decent matches, but that's that's a very WWE feeling character. Great wrestling is run of the mill now, so there's like lots of them. Pac's better than your average. Yeah. But I just I've got so little interest in the I don't think ever about what Andrade and Pac might be up to. And I do that about so much of the AEW roster. I wonder all the time what CM Punk might be thinking during an episode of Dynamite. And I wonder all the time who on this diverse collection of wrestlers Malachi Black might be looking at and thinking about his next match with, or who or where, what Cody's motivations mm. are, things like that. I don't think anything about these two. And that is always going to put, certainly on my enjoyment, and I know this is always a subjective thing, but I think that's always going to put a ceiling on matches like this, especially when it's a sequel. There's probably a longer conversation in this. I don't have a problem with it. I think narratively everything has made sense, but it's interesting and weird that we find ourselves on a weekend of two heavily promoted, effectively as the main event of both shows, mm. a, th- a trilogy match and a, and a sequel match over the same weekend. I don't know if that says anything, but I feel like it does, and I, I don't I don't love it. I don't want this to become a thing. Like, you can do two and you can do three when it narratively makes sense, but it's weird that they've come together and it's shone a bit of a light that maybe, I don't know, have they taken a bit of an easy route with a couple of these things? I think with them being Saturdays, yeah. yes, they have. Mm. Right, well, one last thing. It's time for the main event. It's, why does he sound... Is it like, is, is this, have you modulated the voice or is it the quality of the actual soundboard? Not that I wish to, you know, bring it <laughs> disrepute. But listen. It's time for the main event. Sounds like nails. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like, like is it, are you so desperate for some of your old radio days that you wanted someone to ring in on a very poor quality phone <laughs> for a, a late competition? Listen, imagine he's got a nightstick. Boss man. It's time <laughs> for the main event. He's not a, Jacked it a bit, didn't he, the nightstick? Nails, he really loved that nightstick. <laughs> so does somebody else. <laughs> I'm joking, it was... That was an alleged... <laughs> did it a pop pamphlet. An alleged incident that we know... <laughs> that we know didn't take place. <laughs> uh, anyway, the main event of this show is Orange Cassidy Powerhouse Hobbs, the uh, beginning of the AW World Title Eliminated Tournament. Uh, the winner of this match will go on to face John Moxley, or 10! <laughs> Could be 10! <laughs> and blows your money on well, Orange Cassidy in it because they set it up last week on Dynamite <laughs> like, I'm perfectly like into this match we've had Orange Cassidy and uh, Powerhouse Hobbs before haven't we and this was back when he was just Will Hobbs and he took a paste in with the Orange Punch am I remembering that correctly um, he's they've definitely had an interaction in the main event of the Brody Lee celebration of life and it was awesome yeah like I, I, I love their physical chemistry I think it'll be I think it'll be a lot of fun there's a tournament opener Zero suspense whatsoever because they showed you uh, heel John Moxley, heel turning John Moxley and Orange Cassidy. You loved it. You wanted it. They're not going to take that away. This is the good wrestling show, um, which is a bit weird. It's a bit strange. I can see why this show's taped. So I can, I, I don't know the result, but I, but I know the result. Um, I can see why they put this on the taped one because it's along with Moxley and 10, the most predictable of every single one in this round. It'd be fine. It'd be like, mm, I don't know. I'd, I'd, like, I've not I got, think they have a bit of fun with this. Yeah, I think I think they will. But because the result's never in doubt, they've got a bit of a, a climb. I remember the interaction. I expect them to do something very similar just because it looks so absolutely awesome and why wouldn't you do this in front of a crowd? But they did um, a sequence in the main event trios match of the Celebration of Life where Cassidy did the whole hands in the pockets, kicks the legs lightly, and Hobbs just like threw him like through first to the <laughs> ground and Orange Cassidy's legs kind of curled up, and then he did the kip-up, and it was awesome. Then in response to that, 
Hobbs just pounced him. Like, you know, it was like a ring rope pounce. He just ran into him, <laughs> trucked him, trucked him, him. body first. It looked awesome. Um, I expect them to do some really cool stuff with that. But again, it's a taped rampage. I haven't heard Jesus Christ, Powerhouse Hobbs versus Orangecast. It was amazing. Make sure to watch that. Mm. All the buzz is centered around Pac Andrade. So, so tape shows. Like, I know, I'm going to say this every podcast. I'm sorry for repeating myself. Historically, data trends indicate that it doesn't really matter if it's live or taped. It kind of matters to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, if you've not heard something was blow away, yeah, great, yeah. Like, ah, you know, I've got like 45 minutes before I fall asleep on my couch. I was watching uh, Hades, play Hades instead. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those things. There's so many options to do with your time. Yeah. Interesting to see what they do. Like, we've talked about this numerous times about potentially changing things on Rampage uh, because it's the, the the reflection from last week in terms of them beating, yes, SmackDown was on FS1 and all that, blah, blah, blah. But in terms of that, whether that will open their eyes and think maybe it's worth, you know, pushing the boat out a little bit because I know you've spoken before about, like, the financials of doing Rampage Live is preposterous. But if this gives them a semblance of a of something, you know, something turning their way, let's say, maybe, just maybe, we're gonna see that change. And hopefully, yeah, I think I think you're right in terms of there's some weeks where we're there and Andy's saying, Oh, don't go and click on this there, or don't go and look here, because you'll find out spoilers for the result and people are all talking about it because it's such a banger because we haven't heard anything from it. We're not necessarily expecting the worst, but we're not Hoping for the best, so it's going to be intriguing. Every dynamite match has got potential to be a four star match. Yes, like even like the fun ones that you wouldn't expect to really over deliver. Like you go into it thinking, oh, like you dream up the possibilities as a wrestling fan of what it could be. You can't do that with a show like this. Do you know what I think it is about taped for me and Rampage? They really, really don't want Rampage to be a B show because, of course, why would you? And they try to put matches on at least the opener. It's always, it's got that Saturday night's main event thing where this is this huge match. Well, how can it be a B show? Because here's CM Punk, whatever. That's what they're telling you. But taped is B. Like you wouldn't, they wouldn't want to tape Dynamite. Because nah. then nah. it wouldn't feel like an A show, would it? And that's what taped does is that it always, no matter what they've actually put in the can, it always makes it feel like they could, they were willing to tape it. And that's what relegates it slightly from a perception point of view. And I think ultimately that's, you know, Smackdown at various points in its life has gone live. Uh, Vince McMahon had to go like fortnightly live Raws in 97 just to even try and fight Nitro like sometimes that's speculating to accumulate there, there comes a point like where you, where you sort of have to if you want uh, if you want to achieve that genuine buzz that real thrill mm. uh, but I mean we're not the financials and AEW are absolutely smashing it so you know what, what, what do I know it's just from a personal enjoyment I think there's, that's what taped does to anticipation I think well, let us know your thoughts ahead of AEW Rampage tonight and everything we've discussed on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch that. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. The SmackDown preview is available right now. Myself and Hamflit will be back tomorrow previewing AEW Dynamite and we'll all be back on Monday to review Dynamite, Rampage and SmackDown and look ahead to Monday. In a row. So if you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, that'll be in your feed as soon as it is released. But for now, this has been the AEW Rampage preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 